I have chills because it's amazing at what the community on. If you look at TikTok in the way of a small business owner, again, removing the personal. I've quit TikTok multiple times. I've tried to hire people to help me. Like I started it, you know, I taken down for days until I realized what I could do on that platform, what I could do on Instagram, what I can post on Pinterest, you ha- like what I can put on Etsy. It all had to be different. It all has to be different. So with TikTok now, like I learned that the vape pen cards do the best on there. I mean, I'll post something and get over 100,000 views on a video and you don't even know what that does for like, a small business. But it took me so much trial and error. And that's what I want to say is like trial and error, try everything. You're listening to To Be Blunt, the podcast for cannabis marketers, where your host, Shada Taravi, and her guests are trailblazing the path to marketing, educating, and professionalizing cannabis. Light one up and listen up. Here's your host, Shada Taravi. You have literally no idea how fucking excited I am for this conversation. Sorry, I had to cuss. I just had to. This is To Be Blunt. We're going to be blunt. Uh, welcome back. This is a new episode. I'm your host, Shada Tarabi. We are living in the year 2021. I believe we'll be beginning of February when you get to hear these wonderful words that are about to be blasted through your headphones or speakers or wherever you're listening. But honest to God, super, super energized and excited to share this week's guest. Lauren Mealy is the founder and creator of Kush Cards. Now, if you've ever been to a dispensary in Colorado, there's a very high likely chance that you've seen a Kush Card. And pretty much now they've gone into over a thousand stores. I mean, she's literally the card that has a little holder in it for your joint. And now, of course, she has other products. You can shop directly on her site, kushcards.com. But Lauren is one of the most high energy, badass, true to herself, smart, super, super smart woman, business owner, entrepreneur, and she's in cannabis. And she's just got a really cool story. And I'm really grateful to get to capture it and share it with y'all because these are some of the, you know, I have obviously a lot of really great guests, but I really appreciate these conversations because Lauren literally does not hold back. She just fucking goes for it. And I think that that is the type of energy that we all need to have, especially as entrepreneurs. And so as a result, you will see how excited we were to be having a conversation together. And so I'm just going to shut up and basically let Lauren introduce herself. So let's get into the episode. Hi, my name is Lauren Mealy, and I am the owner of Kush Cards, which is a cannabis greeting card where you can strike a match and like the pre-roll you attach. I thought of this idea back in 2013. Um, I'm from New York, and that's where I was when the idea struck. I actually was, I recently graduated the Fashion Institute of Technology, so it was a really exciting time in my life. Um, I was, you know, fresh out of college, first job, living in New York City, getting a salary, living on my own. It was the most exciting time, I have to say. Leaving FIT, I went for visual presentation and exhibition design, and then I ended with home products development, so I had the opportunity to learn how to 
um, basically sell or how to um, visual merchandise, packaging, um, just graphic design, how to really represent a product and show it. And then my last two years was how to make the product. Um, so it was really great, you know, branding, packaging. I learned everything there and took everything with me into my first job, which was um, a fashion bath accessory designer. So I worked for a company that was a small vendor who sold to Bed Bath & Beyond and Target and Kohl's. So here I then was thrown into a situation where I was product development and basically creating products and pitching them to Bed Bath & Beyond, Target, Kohl's. I was just thrown right in there. And then to see like my product on the shelf was a whole experience from then. Then one day I'm just heading to work. You know, I live a million blocks from where I'm working right in front of the Empire State Building because it was the cheapest at the time. And I just... I literally was, I literally remember just like standing on the one train, heading to work, and I really wanted to get my friend a gift. It was a guy. We had common interests of cannabis. I didn't want to be too much again over the top, but I just wanted to get him the right thing. But I just didn't know. There was like nothing out there just to like gift. I always would go to CVS and get Hallmark cards and put little dime bags in them and like put them in the card. But what happens is you open it, they fall out. It's awkward. You got to roll it. I don't know how to roll. You got to find the lighter. It was like everything was an issue with gifting weed. So I literally just had the idea. I was like, why don't his name was an initial so i was like why don't i just roll blunts and then cut them up and sew them to a card in the shape of his initials so i like went to work and i was like oh my god so i was like this is and i honestly i had a flashback to um i think the movie was this is the end with seth rogan and he like spelled out his um i forgot his name who came in joints and i was like and i was always like you know i really wish somebody would do that for me one day and i think maybe I had that in the back of mind, like I never left it. And I don't know, just the combination of the two, it kind of just hit. So I went to my job, I literally made a card and every card back then said a special treat for a special person because my puns were not up to par then. And I was like, you know, I'm just gonna leave a little space in the middle and then that's what I then I printed it out, went home, called my dear, <laughs> rolled it up, sewed it, and I called my girlfriend and she's like, That's a Kush card with a K. I almost cried. I almost dropped to the floor. Literally from that moment, I knew I had something. I was like, I don't know what this is yet, but it's literally a Kush card. And that's how like the whole idea and like first card started. And then, you know, within the week I called my mom and I'm like, well, I need to trademark Kush cards because you know, I got the Instagram, you know, I got the website. I'm like, this is going to be something. So she sent me the $800 and the, you know, and back then it was very, there was no really regulations to trademark a cannabis name. So I was very, very beneficial. Did that right away. Um, you know, it took me a whole year to kind of just keep, honestly, keep sewing them joints. Like then I started giving them out for free. Right. I'm like a creative drug dealer. Right. And I'm like giving people weed cars, taking it on the train and the little bag that I also hand designed. And then they're like, well, I want to give this to my friend. And I'm like, okay, well you can order it with the, obviously it had to come with the weed at first. I did anything everywhere from Froyo cards, St. Patrick's Day cards, a card that had a balloon and the string had a joint on it. I should bring that back. I just thought of that now. A bingo card, a mimosa card, just like random themes. The Father's Day, I did one where pictures spin. Like I was just literally the creativity was just kept mind blowing. Like after work, I'd go to the sticker store down the street and I would look for inspiration, little stickers to put on them. And then um, walk around New York City and look for like really fun matchsticks. Cause at first actually, basically I would go, 
get matchsticks from restaurants and glue them on the card because the whole thought was like okay i want to give you this card but i also want you to have the resources to use it right away like right away like not even like let me look for my lighter because that could take forever so that's where the match striker on the bottom came from and i actually glued the match on um so i would literally cut the match striker off of matchbooks and glue them to it and then where the card has come today is amazing but that's a general story of like me in new york city running around 2013 to 2014 like telling people don't post it don't post it it's gonna be something it's gonna you just can't and that's how that's how the whole idea was thought of and how it came to kind of fruition one, your puns are like next level. I literally like, I don't even know if I can compete. This is like literally your, your business, your job, but what a dope entrepreneurial story. And thank you so much for walking us through that because my listeners hopefully know when they're listening to these episodes, it's meant to be transparent, right? There's so much secrecy. I think that this industry is cloaked in for better or worse, obviously regulation, every state operates differently, but, but really I love getting at the heart of what makes a brand, a brand. And you've literally, I mean, I fangirl to you offline, but I'll fangirl to you now online. I've been familiar with Kush cards for many years. And so this is really an exciting conversation for me to have because one, obviously like dope brand, but like, I love learning that it's like a woman entrepreneurial story. And just to then get to hear it from your perspective of like your passion and your background, but also just like your creativity and your desire to want to just marry the two and deliver something that is so like, so ingenuous. It's just like, duh, like why, like, I would love to be the recipient of this card. So like, why not create it? I think it's fun to be the giver too, because then you have the option to choose. And like, if I was on my website and I had to choose, I wouldn't even know. Honestly, that's why I do like some sales. Cause I'm like, you know, you should just get a little bit more. Get and all of them. Happen. But honestly, I'm so glad. I'm happy that I'm talking to you now in my journey, just gone through a pandemic, haven't been able to get through that, which we can get to a little later. But um, if you want me to keep going, I can kind of talk about how I got to Denver. Yes, girl, keep going. I want the full download from you. Boom. (laughs) So then, okay, so then it was like April of 2015, right? So here we've got a whole, because a whole year, say 2014, of working on them. And then when 2015 hit, I'm like, okay, it's been a whole year. I have to figure out how to make this so people can buy it on a shelf. I'm not there explaining it. Now you have to think about it. It is a brand new idea. Okay, so it's one about in the cannabis industry, and I have a whole thing here about how to market a new, a whole new product, right? So I was like, you know, I'm gonna make a collection of 10 cards. I'll print 10 of each. I'll ha- get the website up, have a photo shoot, and go to Colorado for 420. Um, it was the last High Times Cannabis Cup. So a group of girls and I went. Um, or came out here and I had already known like a, a few people from high school actually who lived out here. Um, and one of them I was close with and they were in the cannabis industry. And um, so he had kind of been like planting some seeds in his dispensary, like, Hey, like this girl's coming out here with the cards. And he was like, totally cool. Tell her to come by. And I wasn't like thinking on anything, but I just put it on my list. I literally, we stayed downtown. I asked him for a map at the front and I circled where I was going to walk around to. And I still say the same pitch. I walked up in there, hair tied up, red lipstick on, looking right from New York off the plane. And I'm like, hey, strike a match, light what you attach. What I said when I started. And they were like, 
what? You know, but it was 420. Like, I didn't know that was busiest weekend out here because in New York, 420 is like, hey, let's take an L ride or let's, you know, that's it. There were no events or no, it was just like a secret holiday. So, I mean, if you know 420, you know 420. But, (laughs) but so, you know, so I literally used to say that and still say I filled my backpack full of dreams and I fucking took that shit on by my back and I walked around by myself and Ubered around and just kept leaving samples and business cards and stuff like that. And then towards the end of my trip, I went to that dispensary, which is actually in the area I live in today, AMCH. And he bought a counter rack, $250, 50 cards. I was like, and it's so funny because he was like, oh, you're Kush cards. And I'm like, yeah, I am Kush cards. The first time someone called me Kush cards and I'm like, you're so right. That's, That's me. Love weed, love stationery. It's just like the, it was the perfect, perfect too. So went back to New York. Thank God my boss, Courtney, she was like my best friend. And she, if it wasn't for her, because, you know, in corporate, you really can't start your own thing. And like, it's, it's tricky, but she let me moonlight, moonlight. So I would work from like five after work, you know, and it was great because there was a time difference. So five o'clock there was three o'clock here. And I'm like, great. People are selling their jobs. I can make sales calls. So I did that for like, also like another year. And then our company was being bought and things were coming to it. And I knew I couldn't take, it almost came to the point where she knew I was on my way out, you know, because you could just, you know, see what I had. And she saw me develop it and create it and help me with pricing and stuff like that. So May of 2016, I guess a year later of going, you know, traveling, uh, going to women girl meetings in New York. Um, I finally left and then was like, all right, well, we leave in corporate America, you know? And then I was just, again, I went on a three week trip. So that summer and I was like, it was a legal state trip. That's what I call it. So I went to Portland, I went to Seattle, and I went to Denver. So I actually went to uh, Seattle first, and it was for the Seattle Hemp Fest, which is like weird time, which I did time it around that, but it was perfect. Um, it's actually where I met Zoe. I went to her house when we went to Portland. So that's kind of funny how long ago that was. Um, and she really sees, has seen the growth of what it's become now. So, and then when I hit Denver, it was home. It was home. I knew it. I literally made made a down payment in two dispensary sales, just a floor rack in two of them. I went and found a studio. I was like, Ma, these are checks. They're not going to deposit. She sent me the money and I sent her, gave her the checks. And then October of that year, I moved and I have never left since. And I feel like when I moved to Denver, you knew, like you knew. I was here, the presence and but back then the networking events that were going on, I went to everything. I set up tables everywhere. I still did the same thing. I walked around, um, all that stuff. So I had to be, um, you know, of course I had to get a job because my coming out here with my business, like, I mean, think about it. I was maybe had a, a couple stores and stuff like that. So I worked at a gym and it was the best thing ever, but that's how we came to Denver. And then obviously there's a whole other part, but I'll stop there and take a hit of this joint. Real quick. <laughs> take a hit of the joint. No, I think your energy is just so infectious and it's like, oh, like that's what I, I live for. I, I exist in the same energy that you're emitting, but like, that's what I want listeners to gather. It's not, you know, I think sometimes people glamorize entrepreneurship. It's like, oh, you're successful now. I mean, really y'all, if you could see before we started recording, Lauren sent me a picture of a pallet of stuff that got delivered to her house downstairs. Like that is, that's the reality. It's like, I think people 
They do. I love it. And I appreciate it. It's like you work hard. You want to be appreciated. You get to a certain level. It's like, great. You made it. But like you and I know like that, ah, you haven't made it yet. Like take a victory lap, but like, keep going. Five years in, I feel like I'm really just getting discovered now, which is crazy to even think. But I mean, that, that shipment was supposed to come tomorrow. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm working with a new employee today. I was like, okay, we're going to clean the house, my house. Cause it's a two bedroom. And I was, we're going to get everything ready. And then tomorrow we ready for this easy move. I wake up, I went to sleep at three last night, you know, doing orders. Cause I knew I had no time in the morning. Um, post office picks up for free at 12. I don't have a car. I'm on foot. It's a whole other story getting around here on bike package it to the post office before, before I even knew USPS picked up for free. Mind blown. <laughs> I know. And I get a text at 8am. Hey, you know, FedEx, your delivery changed to today. I just said to myself, I literally had a moment and I'm like a non-glamorous moment either. It was like panic moment, like get up and like, let's just say I got up and for like three hours, all I did was clean, clean, clean and get everything ready. And then it worked out. FedEx pulled right to the back. It's right downstairs. I'm sure it's okay. I don't think anyone would touch that, but I've done this for so long. So after our call, thank God I have help coming because I've done that by myself. Amen. Uh, but you just still, it just, it shows it adds to that narrative of like, you're fucking hustling. Like you're digging your, I'm hungry. For it. Yeah. Oh. I mean, you talked about like showing up to grow meetings, women grow in New York city. Like you're beating on these dispensary doors. You're knocking on doors. I think people sometimes, you know, they think, or they're listening. Yeah. I want to get in the cannabis industry. What does that look like? And I really hope that they're like tuned into everything you're saying because you're putting that work in and you're still putting that work in. It's a, it doesn't ever end, right? It just continues to evolve. And so I'm excited for you because you are building a brand that like, obviously I'm recognizing I'm a fan of, I've known about it for a few years, but to get to, um, watch the continued growth. And so, yeah, I'll kind of plug in a little connection piece. I too love stationery. I love handwriting cards. Like I love sending them. I love receiving them. I think it's just like a lost art. And so I am kind of curious, you know, maybe if you have a story or just like any insight into, Cause I talk about it a little bit abstractly too, like as a marijuana consumer, when I shop at dispensaries, it is a much different experience than like as a hemp consumer who might be shopping at a dispensary, I'm using air quotes in like a non-legal state. I mean, you go to dispensaries, you go in, you go out, you go in to get your drugs, you leave. Like, what was that like for you to think, you know, maybe people would want to buy a card where these dispensary owners like, yeah, because like I see now maybe people who are selling T-shirts, other kind of accessories. But I mean, obviously you put the joint in the card that has a function. But was there any like buddy who was this doesn't belong in a dispensary or who's going to do that? Or was it pretty supportive? I think it was a little bit of both. So think about it. Here I am pitching to basically male owned male buyers or owners to put a greeting card in a dispensary. Now, this is five years ago, right? Even though Denver has been legal and stuff like that, where no one even thought to find greeting cards or that buyer didn't even think, oh, hey, let's get let's get greeting cards in here this year or something like that because there was nothing out there like it. So here I am again pitching this new idea and had to marketed so much that says this is an upsell let me help you sell your weed because all they wanted to do was sell weed because that was their biggest return but they didn't see 
that my card could help them sell the weed times two. You sell the card, then you sell the pre-roll together, and it's like the perfect match. So when they got that, they thought it was genius, right? Um, when I, But the problem is they would get them, put them on the store, and then stop. No, like, hey, look at these weed cards, you know? Or, you know, let me show you, or, you know, put one and one together and show as an example, and then say, oh, hey, here's our selection, and here's our selection. And then, you know, it's the perfect gift with the lift. I always, always said that it was just literally like the perfect des description of what a Kush card is. Then I hit the woman buyer, fell in love, instantly got it, was amazed, like mouth drop moment. And I was like, yes, I love you. But it was very little of you come, you know, that I was coming in interaction with. So when I found a woman buyer, it was like woman power. Um, they got it. I would constantly send PDFs of like, how to market it, display it, mind you, from New York too, right? So I wasn't there. I was, you know, again, having to describe this over the phone. And while all was like, oh my God, this is a great idea. You know, it was something new to bring into the shop, you know, even smoke shops, it was something new. So it was like, all right, well, let's give this a try, right? But how many people were willing to give it a try? And um, so I think with time, just with time of constantly putting out there, constantly switching up my display signage, the card even came with a little clear straw um, first in the, in the slot. Um, because I wanted to show that you could actually fit something in there because there is no way, like, I was like, that was the hardest thing. How do I just put a card in a display and put a sign? And people are like, oh, okay, with no one hearing about it before, I mean, like at all. So it took a lot of thought, a lot of marketing, you know, a lot of marketing packaging help, uh, the packaging, you know, with the matchbook, the light it here, the take a match, it then became instructions, like on the card. So I was like, and honestly, it hasn't changed since. So I'll, just a little bit. So on top of this, it used to say take a match. And right there, it still says light it here. And it came with the matchbook and then insert pre-roll here. You're like, okay, now if you like put the two together, you can, then you still have everything you need. Right. Um, and so it just it just really took you know took time for dispensaries and to to catch on and then when I came to Colorado I started hearing about trade shows and I'm like people, and everyone I met was like you need to go to Champs it's called Champs Trade Show you need to go you need to go you need to go and I'm like I just wasn't ready to go I wasn't ready for the $1200 booth cost I wasn't ready just for the like that they were like but go only when you're ready cuz you know you're going to go in there and get distributors stores, chains, all that. So I had luckily had a few people who I still talk to today who gave me that little space on the table before I was ready. That's why I always give somebody a space at my table because I know what it was like being from New York and the cards were out there. Like I have chills right now, even just, um, I just got chills speaking, even just thinking, thinking about it. Cause just to have the opportunity again, and Absolutely. then I finally popped up in one of them and that's the game changed. The game changed because I didn't know, like, it was just so many people looking for stuff for their smoke shop. But then I ran into another problem. Um, let's go in there maybe for a few shows. And then I realized that the same, you would see the same buyers. They usually go to that show and place reorders. You know, you see them, it becomes like a whole community. But the smoke shops are like, yeah, people are asking me about us about the pre-rolls in non-legal states. And we don't know what to tell them. So it's kind of on the line for us if we want to carry these. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're so right. It was before CBD and hemp pre-rolls were really a thing or just in the market at all. So then a great friend of mine, Paige, shouting out names because they deserve it. Um, she was just selling these like little, little like cigarette one hitter pipes. Um, and she's like, you should totally put these on your cards. And I'm like, 
Should, shouldn't I? So I came back from an interesting experience, came back from California, let's just say, and I started putting these in the cards. And then a month later, it was the second largest show of the year. And I went sales past 10,000. Like, here I am. I'm like, what? Like figuring out how to print on this before going there, maybe got into 50 plus stores, distributors, getting seen by like Jay and Silent Bob people, Tommy Chong, like it literally changed my business and I'll give them credit a hundred percent all day. Cause me then going to that show every few months is how my name and how my store count, which is probably like at a thousand plus now got out so quickly. Cause you don't know one person, they could own 10 stores. Now you're into 10 stores. I got into Spencer's because I could have missed them. Cause I almost picked up my phone, but I just was talking to everyone. Hey, have you heard of Kush Cards? Have you heard of Kush Cards? No, 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 no. And then hit him with the tagline. I won't lie, strike and match. It works every time. Marketing. I swear it's that one line. Like literally Spencer's was walking past me. And right as I got into the middle, I was like, strike and match and light what you attach. And they turned around. I didn't even know it was them. And it was just like, boom, like Kush Cards has such a natural journey. And like, I just, tr- I have now finally trust the process and listen to my gut, but it has t- taken me so long to be able to get there and do it. So fucking kudos to you though. Like literally kudos to you for not only putting the work in, but showing up and like literally showing up. And one thing that I want to call out, and I have a question for you is I kind of mentioned it, you know, when we were interacting on social media, I didn't know I was talking to you, the founder, right? And and so for you to still be, you know, I think some people, again, entrepreneurship, they think, okay, I'm just going to make a product. I'm going to hire some people. I'm going to have a team and I'm going to sit in my office. I'm going to, you know, go go enjoy my time on a beach somewhere. I'm not going to pretend that as an entrepreneur, I haven't had that thought or that dream or aspiration, but I fucking love love to see and love to promote and love to support women, especially who show up and they advocate and they're their brand. And so when I got to learn that you're operating your social media, I'm hearing your story for, this is the first time I'm hearing this version of the story. You know what I mean? Like, like listeners, like this isn't something that I'm like, Oh, I knew this from Lauren. Like, no, I'm, I'm literally, when you said that you got chills, I got chills because I'm, I'm feeling that journey that you've been on that you sense organic. It's like, I fucking believe it. I believe it because you're showing up for it. And so my question kind of is a little bit, you know, how big is your team now? And, and what does that look like? And just kind of also observing, like you're obviously very present in your business. And so it's just a really cool thing to see. Thank you. Um, well, it's so funny because you know, it's still like, okay, so it's like a two person team, I would say. And boyfriend partner he's just my assistant by association thank god for him that's what it is you know that's what it is um but it's really just been me and one person who makes the cards someone had to help me because at first they were all handmade punches like and then something had to change and where i finally like worked up saved up enough money figured it out used my experience from my first job working overseas and i found a factory so what you saw was thousands of cards handmade bags tissues pencil pouches that are so new 
So I always had like one person who was like my right hand to always help me make cards and stuff like that. But of course, like it's a startup and working for a startup is very difficult, I think. And I'm learning that as I go, being a manager myself. Um, so it was like rotating, you know, I, I was like, oh, hey, if you, you know, whenever, you know, whenever you need, whenever you have time and kind of basing it more around them when it was like, not really like this was totally a job you come and clock in and out to, but it was so hard for me to do that, like realize that. So um, I've always had some kind of girls circulating in and out, but it's really always been me. Like I have to say, of course, like my family, I have to say they're on the team. Like my sister is my Dana, so my CMO. She's in marketing too and fundraising and has a really great background and just like our conversations of how to, you know, what we know from the past to bring it to the fore. Like she helps me a lot with card ideas, campaigns, stuff like that. So really, but really just like employee, employee, just, just one. It's incredible. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, right? It's not like, Oh, surprise. You know, I'm a team of 20 secretly or not secretly. I just think again, in, in, an, in an effort to tell a transparent journey for people to paint this picture, it's like, I'll kind of flip it a little bit. People assume that I have a huge marketing team doing all the content that we create for my brand. And I, I pleasantly laugh because I, I don't, I know I don't. And I'm like you, it's me and my sisters. Luckily, uh, I do have a very supportive family as well. And we are, have backgrounds similar to you. It's like, look, I I lucked out that I'm passionate about these things. So I can kind of lean into them a little bit more. I will be the first to say, you know, hire for the things that you're not great at, but also roll your sleeves up and get in the dirt. Like roll them up, do it. Throw yourself in the trenches. Yes. Okay. That's a, a many good advisor had told me and learned is just like, and I'm still on the trenches. It's five years. I'm still, people think I made it. And I'm like, Thank who you. made it? Yep. Who made it? Thank you. Because I like, every time I go to a trade show, I'm like, wow, I have so much work to do or wow. There's so much opportunity or potential. And, you know, like living where I live right now, this two bedroom, which I'm getting ready to move in a house. Um, um, was it's very difficult to have people to work here because you don't have designated spots. Like I know where everything is and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But failing the business. You know yeah, the same. Like that's why I'm like, you know what? I can just get things quicker done myself. But I've always had like that production help, is which which was the main main key. Um, even with social media, I struggled. Like just it became so personal. Like it became so personal for me. And like if posts weren't doing well or like it affecting me personally and mentally. And it was like, just became like an unhealthy balance. So I had hired someone to come on for like, actually the end of last year, not too long ago for like two months, just to give myself a break and a recharge and to learn from like someone else and how they would kind of see everything. I kind of took what I learned from her and now I do it a hundred percent, but like took it and like went with it and boom, like I literally, and we can talk about like different apps if you want and my experience on them. But so I just think like with the help of certain people here and there, freelancers, contractors, again, hiring for what I don't know and people who are smarter than me, hiring younger people who are, who are up to date on social media apps in that generation, which, which um, with my social media, that's kind of what I did. So um, but honestly, I do believe like, look what I had to do. I couldn't just wait for people to come. I am waiting now, but the initial setup of everything I had to, I had to do that. I have to, you know, make the sales calls. I have to manage people. I do the packaging and orders, like, uh, literally wear all the hats, but I wouldn't want any way else. Why? Because when my company becomes even larger, if I get bought one day, who knows what's going to happen? I know how to run this. 
I know what it's like, you know, so I am the brand. You're right. Like I literally know everything. And I'm so thankful that I have a supportive family that I didn't need to go out and hire, you know, this, that, and the third, or, um, I knew my skills. I knew how to work with China. I didn't have to do that mess up order. Of course, everyone has that one mess up order at first, but I knew how to product develop. I knew how to package. I knew how to, so I came out with the product so strong. I never changed it, but just took the straw away. I never changed it. The bottom is the same, the branding on the bottom. So many people are like, why is Kush card so big on the bottom? And I'm like, you want to know why? Because I was walking through a trade show and Huffington Post was walking by and there were, and I had cards and I used to wear the cards on my lanyard so you could see before because you know, everybody looks at your name, you look at the card and then you realize what it is. And then I pulled it out and it they took a picture, put it in an article, but if it had never said Kush cards in the front, you would have never really made that association with it, you know, because all the, you know, names are on the back. And then it worked out with the little matches and stuff like that. And I never changed it. I'm like, you know what? It's going to be on there. If you think it's too much and too loud and you don't want to work with me, then that's you. But it's now become a staple to where you see the card, you instantly know it's a Kush card. And I'm so happy, like, I stay with that. I mean, if Tommy Chong is like, you know, leave that on the bottom, I'm going to leave it on the bottom. You know what I mean? So. Quick break to say thank you to Restart CBD for sponsoring this podcast. Restart CBD is a brand my sisters and I founded in our hometown in Austin, Texas. We operate a retail location as well as an e-commerce store, and you can browse our wide range of CBD products at restartcbd.com. Again, thank you to Restart for allowing me the time and resources to put on To Be Blunt. I hope you'll check them out for your CBD needs. Let's go back to the episode. I want to dig into that point, but you have two, two comments that I want to ask. And I'm going to start with the more formal one before I get into the Tommy Chong one. What do you see happening in terms of like one, you kind of mentioned that you were able to get a trademark for Kush cards, which is something now in an industry that is super saturated and very difficult because the government, for those of you who don't know, I heard you can get a trademark if you are in a legal state, but it only applies to that state. But if you want a federal USPTO trademark, that is like not possible in today's day and age. So that's not necessarily my question, more just a point. But competition, how do you protect against competition? Have you observed competition? Do you um, do anything to prevent it? Is there anything that you can do to prevent it? And it's more kind of from a broad stroke perspective of, we exist in an industry that unfortunately does not give us a lot of protection. And so while your product is in cannabis, you actually are more in the stationary side. So I'm wondering if you have a little bit more protection against designs and things like that, or if you're kind of in the same boat as most of us as cannabis associated brands. Same boat. So back in 2014, when I was getting ready before I went out to Colorado, my dad uh, had a lawyer friend again, shout out to the family because that's, like literally I would have to pay for his advice. And I went in, I showed the product and he was like, great job, great job. But this won't get, this won't get patented, you know? And he was like, I don't think you should spend, or, or I don't think you should spend your money. He didn't say no off the bat. He's like, you could spend five grand at the time. I didn't have five grand. I'm like, oh my goodness. But I was so eager to, I couldn't wait. Like I couldn't wait. And he told me the best advice. He's like, just be first to market. You are the first to market 
just be first to market. That's why I always tell brands, don't come, don't come half-assed. Don't start and then figure things out while you start. Because I took the time to figure out how the car was made. I had the displays. I had the website. I, my top selling car literally is the first car I ever designed. It's still my top seller. I can't, it's like blows my mind. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start. I was like, I came to Colorado that April. I was like, and then things took off and I kept working on it. I kept working on it. But I'm like, like, I just kind of kept brushing it off because, you know, I had Chris cards trademarked and, you know, there was like, they kept saying, they're like, it's because you're tying a joint to it. You know, they're like, this is so marijuana related, even though it's just a card. So I never applied. And I kind of just took the risk of going for it. And um, I saw some people pop up along the way, like on Etsy, there's a lot of cannabis cards, nothing with attaching the pre-roll. Um, I think a lot more cannabis cards popped up, but again, not attaching the pre-roll because I would attack you if you did, won't lie. Um, but you'd come for some people. So I, oh, girl, let me tell you, let me tell you, there's been times. So I believe it. Yeah. So there was this one brand. Um, and I think they're still out there today. Won't name any names. Um, they literally like took the dotted line, took away pre-roll insert joint here, um, hired, uh, hired designers and told them to go copy me. And I have like, like they would reach out and be like, Hey, this is what this person did this company. And when they said no, they like zeroed out there, like PayPal and stuff like that. Like it was a guy too, who's running a greeting card business. So it just shows you that people want to get in the cannabis industry, found a good idea, thought they could do it better, tried to partner with big brands, like, you know, just larger brands. And I saw that I freaked out, you know, I was like, this is not cool. Like literally like, you know, it's just the fact that it was a guy too. He like opened my no- newsletter. Like, uh, it was, it was disgusting reaching out sneaky, shady shit. And, um, but just and mentally more than anything, it affected me more than anything, you know, cause here I am like knee deep and it was what only like three years, but still, you know, I really had to work on that and just say like, you know, obviously people are like, oh, flattery, flattery. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. That's great to hear. But as you're a small business owner, that's the last thing you want to hear. Um, honestly, I just, I just kept it moving. I just put my head down. I blocked out whatever people were trying to come up or, you know, and I feel like I went out so strong that I'm still the number one, the still number one person doing it. And I hope I stay like that. I do hope I inspire other people. But I mean, this is a brand that's been so thought out, curated. I mean, been through so much. I make cards on trains, planes, airplane, airplanes, like have brought the whole setup in a little bag to people's friends' houses and just the whole thing, like the whole thing. So I think what has helped me, and I say this about social media, is that you can't fake authenticity. You just can't fake it. You know, you can't, and you can't fake it. Excuse me. You can't copy authenticity. You can't copy it. Sorry about that. Take that back. Because, yeah, someone else can start a brand, but do they have the story? Were they rolling joints on subways, sewing joints to cards? You know what I mean? So it's like, I really owned into that as I, and I say this now so comfortably because it's, you know, now, but ask me two years ago, I've been crying. I would have been like, you know, figuring out, I have friends who try to copy me. Like there, there's all those small business stories. So I say, make a plan and come out so strong that nobody can or wants to, or is going to try to, they just want to partner with you. Um, I think also I did have a 
very niche idea, which is very helped me a lot because it wasn't out there. So I had the advantage. So my also advice to small business owner is really position yourself where even if it's something that's already out there, how can you make it different to a whole new consumer of people? So amen to that. No, no, you like literally that is the best advice. And it totally resonates with me because every time I talk with a microphone or without a microphone, I'm always like, you can listen to me and you can try to copy me, but you're not me. So yeah. good luck, which is why I, I openly share the way I do, because I know that someone is not me. And so it's kind of liberating in the sense of like, I really want people who listen to this conversation to think not, wow, what can I do to imitate those women? But where is my lane? What are my skill sets? What can I do that's of value for this industry? And then start there. Listen to the hustle though. Listen to the the grind, listen to the, you know, cold calling, showing up, you know, traveling, extending yourself, long nights, sleepless nights, like take that away, but then apply it to like your own business and brand because yeah, otherwise everything else is, um, is just a copy, but kind of in, um, in some, to pick up what you were saying, I do want to talk about Tommy Chong. Cause that's the one that I recently observed, but as part of your marketing, you've been able to now partner, you said partnership too, you know, partner with leading other brands in the space. So I saw you did a collab with Tommy Chong, is that something that you've always kind of done with the brand? What was the first one? You know, I personally love partnerships. I think partnerships and collaboration is huge to extend your brand into other oh, areas, yeah. but always it's obviously collab. not something nope. that everybody's yeah. comfortable doing. So, you know, how did you start collabing and how do you end up with a collaboration with Tommy Chong? Right. Well, I mean, it just happened last, just happened last summer. So I would say, um, I uh, talk about collaborations, kind of where I started with that. When I moved to Colorado, I didn't even know about a giveaway. I had no idea people even did giveaways, you know. Um, so I think my first collaboration started with like other small businesses and doing giveaways and collabing. And um, then just, you know, I am the greeting card. So I feel like I should be the, you know, like I am the topping, the ice on the cake, the icing on the cake for a gift. So why not pair with other gifts and kind of work together as one? Um, and um, from then I would say like my first before the bigger guys, I'm so big toker poker. I don't know if you, um, I'm know familiar. Yes. Yes. They're a Colorado company. So we are really teaming up and partnering with um, my designs on their toker pokers. And it's a, it, I really see like a long partnership with them and it's a great like social media. We do great things together there, but then from the trade shows and just being seen and companies looking for something different. Um, Jay and Silent Bob was actually my first huge collaboration with, you know, their icons as well. So that was amazing. Again, met them at Champs um, and we fostered from the brand from there. They came here. I had to rent a car, drive an hour and a half late at night by myself to go to their viewing. I set up a table. Nobody bought cards. It was fine. I met them, got a picture drove all the way back home, like literally like just stories like that on the regular, but amazing. Um, and then Tommy Chong, again, same thing. I was at Champs, um, the, the people who work for his company, lovely, lovely people. They, they saw me at Champs again, because I showed up. I started noticing the change when people started seeing me now for the third year at the trade show, for the second year at the trade show. They're like, oh, like, oh okay. I saw people come back. And then this guy was like, okay, we got to do these with Tommy Chong. And I like, 
you know me, I was, I mean, well, you know me, but you know me, like, <laughs> I was like, no, this is crazy. Um, very, very easy, very smooth. Unfortunately, we launched them during, you know, April quarantine. You know, I had no idea how to even design a card for him with images they gave me. And I just, you know, watched all the movies again. Same thing I did for Jane Silent Bob, really had to research them. And now I've just created this wonderful partnership. Um, and that's when the photo shoot happened because COVID and they were like, we want to make a Christmas card, but we have no one to come film him. And the process of that was amazing. Just kind of like thinking like, okay, what am I going to put on Tommy Chong? Like, this is insane. Um, and then just a lot of thought, you know, cause then you take the pictures, but then you have to make it into a card. Like it's a whole other process. Um, and that's also intimidating too, because you want obviously to make, good cards for them, you know, so a lot of back and forth, you know, you know, working on designs and stuff and how much like they are helping me on their social media is like, I'm so thankful. Like I set up the story size graphics for them. I send them swipe up links. I make them do no work, but if they want to post it, then they can, but they also know that that's also helping drive sales, but they're not responsible for that. But I think the time I take to take the picture, make the card, you know, I send them samples. Um, you know, I really, really, really put myself out there, um, to make that collaboration work because it is a license. So you are like, it is way extra. Like you saw all those boxes down there. None of that is Tommy Chong cards. That is extra. So here I have all this inventory and this is something that I'm personally investing in, but I'm like hundred percent, you know what I mean? But you have to do it right. Like you have to make it profitable. You have to raise the prices on them and you have to work with distributors and wholesalers. Um, you know, how to incorporate that in a display rack. I just came into that problem yesterday because they wanted Tommy Chong cards, but since they're more expensive, they don't come in my display package. So now they bought a display just of his cards. I'm like, that's a good idea. Great. I should start offering displays just for him. So um, that that collaboration, again, happens so naturally. So naturally. Now they let me do my thing. I, I send them my ideas, and they just know that I'm going to bring it. And they are grateful. And just I think they were literally looking for a new product to put for the Tommy Chong brand. And now we got Chong cards. <laughs> the fucking coolest story because it's just like honestly like you can't make that up like it's just true it's like hey i just literally was showing up like you said i'm there year one i'm there year two i'm there year three i'm there year four. Oh, wait it was year three that like did that thing for me like okay great super glad i showed up and i love that you said that you kind of go above and beyond to kind of create that extra content for the brand. I'll kind of share a little quick story. Um, you know, when I'm publishing podcast episodes, obviously I don't expect the podcast guests to necessarily go promote the shows, but yes, like anything that I can do to make that connection beneficial, like you would want to put that work in. And so it's like, whether it's graphics, whether it's like connecting with the guests before to kind of tee it up. Like, I just feel like I put so much work in before and after these episodes that obviously like the listeners don't necessarily see, but hopefully that's what ultimately is helping tell that story for the consumer. That's, that's like enabling those people to further expand on the conversation, the content that was created. And it's such a to me, a smart marketer does the basic things real fucking well. So it's like 
don't just take a picture and think like, oh, the picture's done. It's like, make, take a step further, do the picture, maybe make a folder, make them edited in different sizes, like give the person that you're delivering the content to options. And again, like close the gap for them. I was just talking to somebody about a press kit and they were like, oh, I always, you know, I don't, I don't ever have a press kit. I just, I just send them, you know, my bio and my headshot. I'm like, you like feed them the links you want them to include, feed them the exact photos, feed them the titles you want. Yes. Like everything that you want. Don't just expect someone to tell your story. Fucking you tell your story and you tell them what story you want them to tell. So you're doing it and I'm fucking lit on it because I do the same thing. And it's nice to hear someone else doing it. It's so crazy because like, yes, yes, yes. But there's so many apps that block you Literally, okay, so started Women Grow Networking, word of mouth, right? Was the best thing for me because then I then I started the Instagram. Instagram, they disabled my ad account, so I can't promote ads. So I'm organically trying to find people, okay? Facebook app, which comes from the ad account, so that was disabled. So I couldn't put things up to my shop. Finally figured out how to put things on my shop. One hitters, like I can't post those anywhere. My website got shut down. PayPal got shut down, but they were started to become my number one most profitable thing. And I'm like, oh my God, how? So you, you figure out a way to make it work. Pinterest, again, the same thing. They won't connect my pins to my website because it's cannabis. So here I am again, trying extra, extra hard. Etsy shut down my vape pen cards. Number one top seller, my mystery boxes. Like literally what got me through um just quarantine or whatever um but I really wanted to focus on TikTok because I really want to drop drop it like it's hot let's just say it took me five years to get 45,000 followers on Instagram it took me less than a year to get 42,000 followers on TikTok like I'm I have chills because it's amazing at what the community on if you look at TikTok in the way of a small business owner, again, removing the personal. I've quit TikTok multiple times. I've tried to hire people to help me. Like I started it, you know, I taken down for days until I realized what I could do on that platform, what I could do on Instagram, what I can post on Pinterest. You had like what I can put on Etsy. It all had to be different. It all has to be different. So with TikTok now, like I learned that the vape pen cards do the best on there. I mean, I'll post something and get over a hundred thousand views on a video and you don't even know what that does for a small business, but it took me so much trial and error. And that's what I want to say is like trial and error, try everything. Like, on TikTok, I realized that, okay, I can't post the one hitters. Okay, I know that. But even when I downloaded it in April is when stores officially closed down. And, I, and if you can hear my story, you can kind of tie. I've talked nothing about retail sales because I was all wholesale. I was all distributors. I was all trade shows, all that. And then I'm like, wow, like my retail was cute, but not cute. Like people who just do retail, I'm like, kudos for you, right? So I was like, all right, I'm going to download TikTok. It seems like people are, I'm going to start these mystery boxes because my mom had like sent me, I had bought these like five by seven greeting card boxes years ago. And she's like, you want, she's like, you know what? I was like, send them. So I got them. I'm like, I think I'm going to make a mystery box. Like make it fun, make it fun. So in the month of April, I made $10,000 on TikTok from mystery boxes. And I'm throwing that number out there only because I said to myself, if I, if I had to set a goal of what I can do in one month and I hustled, like I've never hustled before. And then, you know, and then that started getting old. So then I had to, and then I had to kind of like keep going and I was getting so burnt out because of the two different apps. It's like two different worlds. And I was just taking it so 
personal and personal and personal until I took that two months. I stepped back. I rethought about it. I came back in like, this is my job. This is how I'm getting my product out to millions of people to seen. I just need to be seen. That's really what it is. And then, you know, from there, I just, you know, learn like for me, what works is that finding really funny audios. Like my favorite one is, um, if you're following uh, my for you page, time to smoke a bowl, bitch. My favorite one. I put that in a video with the card and the like the funny sound with the card you've never seen before and the graphics and the animation. Like it all works, but it took so long to realize like how that how it works and what people want. And then there's a whole cannabis community on that app that's way different from Instagram because you have Instagram people who are like, oh, TikTok's for younger people, all the dances. But I took the trends that are happening and I just take them and I put them that, to make it work with my product. And it is not easy, I have to say. It's not easy. No, but- I mean, you just expressing all that, like my heart went out to you because I spend a lot of time on the social media platforms. I mean, for me, I've built my following on Instagram. I listen to a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk and he says the same thing. He's like, be on these new platforms, create, 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 create. You shared a very real uh, function of that though. It's like you found success with it. So it's obviously motivating, but it doesn't come without some losses too, some frustrations. You're getting your content pulled down. You're like, why is this work today? And that doesn't work tomorrow. And so it does speak to just the nature of the game. It's like, this is how you succeed though. You're the proof of you don't get discouraged because something gets shut down or you can't, you know, go through that door. It's like, okay, you show me as an entrepreneur, that ingenuity of like, I'm a fucking try this door. Okay. That doesn't work. I'm going to go through that door. Okay. Well, we like this door. Well, how do we now maximize on that? And so I just think it's such a good story for listeners to be hearing because they want the quick fix. Uh, they go, Shada, how do you post smoking content? And I go, I don't know how I get away with it. I don't. I've had all my content, every other piece for the most part, get flagged. Instagram saying, you, this is inappropriate. This is promoting drug use. And I go, okay, I'm going to try it again this way. I'm going to try using these words. I'm going to maybe put it on this platform. And I just don't think people listen. Are you listening, y'all? You got to keep trying and evolve and adapt. Adaptation is critical. That was the year of 2020. I made it through the pandemic because I started getting the retail customers. I started showing more of behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. People, I like, I try to keep it not too much, but showing what's going on. Like people want to see what, the person behind the brand. And I started posting me more. And I, and I just, you know, I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm going to post one time a day. I post one to three times a day. I don't even think about it now. I don't listen to what time to post. Right. I agree with you. There's everybody's is different. And you, but that's the point. You need to figure out what works for you and your brand, what products you're selling and what, because, because selling greeting cards with an attachment for a pre-roll or a joint or a vape is different than somebody selling smokables is different than somebody selling pet CBD. Like we're all in cannabis, but they're all different applications. And there are different nuances to these platforms. Like I heard you can obviously smoke posting content, but did I say that right? Post smoking content? Smoke. Listen, I say I say the second word before the first word. I'm twisting my words up right now. And I, I haven't it. even started smoking yet. But if you're like, you know, actually inhaling, showing the act of smoking, I hear like Instagram, Facebook doesn't like that. So you kind of have to, you know. Yeah, literally, like you'll have to like 
on TikTok, they literally have like that. There was this trend where they were like, like doing the grinding up to the song, and like you, but there was nothing there. They literally did the grinder, they broke it, they rolled it, and then they. It was just but like yeah, to it's see not showing that, them actually doing the smoking yeah, but act. to like imply. So cannabis content, it is like you know, even for me, like I do a lot of gift guides too on the social media because I love just like again being that kind of greeting card holiday themed i feel like i should be that one person doing that just the authenticity just like finding your voice staying in your lane um and just like like i was like i'm gonna make water bottles and i was like no paper products only solid advice girl this has like been such a gem of a conversation i literally everybody listening please go follow kush cards on instagram go shop on their website i'm sure on your website you have what retailers you're in right if people want to find you locally but girl you're i know I, i'm gonna say you're killing it but i know that that comes with a like you are, but there's always more work to do. But so from one female founder to another, I just, I appreciate your grind really. Thank you. I appreciate that. You too. It's really fun to like hear someone who's like not in like the manufacturing side of like having a product and like really putting yourself out there and your services, because I see how like, that's very, very, a whole different side of, of, you know, starting your own business. So to hear your story and hear you kicking ass and taking names and interviewing people with names, I think that's just amazing. And I'm so happy. Like we had this connection. I hope I can bring more women owned business, uh, businesses to you and really just keeps love your sample boxes on the way you're gonna love it and i'm glad i waited because now that I, now that i like had this face-to-face it's gonna be a whole different and i just got this down there that i'm literally about to go bring up so i literally just like i'm obsessed with you i really think this is i mean sorry other guests i love all my guests i think they're all great but i just really want to um say thank you for your transparency. Again, I think when I invite people to come on this podcast and speak bluntly, I want to respect to what degree someone wants to share. I never want them to feel forced into a gotcha moment and fire to my blunt. That's ah, right, you baby. Your your package. <laughs> like it just is, it's just, I'm, I'm blessed to get to sit in a position to learn from people like yourself and just to be a part of an industry that is literally trailblazing forward. So yeah. And you have to stay with it. So you just have to keep moving with it. I think that's your greatest success. If you adapt and learn how to get with it. And I'd love to talk to you in two, three years from now and see, I won't be sitting here. I'll tell you that. I know. Or this chair won't be the same at least girl. Yeah, that's right. You got to keep going up and up, but yeah, I've definitely, Take the highs for the highs, learn through the lows, and just keep showing up. Okay, but legitimately, I really hope that y'all appreciated that as much as I appreciated it. I think that Lauren is building, obviously, a really cool brand, and she's hustling. She's literally the epitome of a true female hustler, putting her feet on the pavement every day, kicking ass, literally investing in her business with every ounce that she has. And I just hope that this is a real wake-up call for anybody out there who's you know, one is an entrepreneur. Maybe you're not working as hard as you could be. Maybe you wish you were further along than you are. I think that that's a real conversation that we should all be having absolutely with ourselves at every moment. It doesn't mean that we don't have, you know, 
slumps or hard moments or, you know, shit gets thrown in the way, but it's like, how do you navigate around it? And I think that Lauren, again, just really, really beautifully helped share that story, um, for, of her experience with us. So thanks Lauren really appreciated it. Listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. I have another new episode coming out for you next Monday, but a plug to go check out all my other episodes. If you're new here and you are enjoying what you're listening to, I have a lot of really awesome guests who share a lot of really great testimonials of their journeys through building cannabis brands and businesses. So thanks for listening to to be blunt. I appreciate you. We will catch you next Monday. Thanks. Bye. Love this episode of To Be Blunt? Be sure to visit theshadatarabi.com slash to be blunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at theshadatarabi.com.